0: of Royce Daniel Marlon wonderful fantastic from Royce Jude Bellingham that's excellent Jude Bellingham this is absolutely brilliant Jude Bellingham absolutely magnificent Rina brilliant from the American just like that well, the best of clearances what a volley Max Hummels Grant in for Haaland
1: Welcome to the BVB podcast. Bevo B, Bevo B. I've been working on my, I'm like, every time I hear myself lying, I should probably say it more German to be legit, legit, but I'm American, so it's not going well. Um, If this is your first time hanging out and listening, thank you so much. You can uh, find us on all your uh, preferred podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You can even find us on YouTube by searching the BVB podcast. Also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the BVB pod or email us the BVB pod at gmail.com. My name's Jake Carver is hanging out with me as always. How
2: are you doing, man? How's it going? I'm doing well. The sun is shining and we have Dortmund football this weekend. So I'm excited. I'm happy. Not,
1: not just this weekend, but as of when this episode's out today, like we're, we're recording Tuesday evening, but this episode is going to be out Wednesday. You might be listening before the game. You might be listening after the game. Uh, but yeah, it's like almost too much like we can't keep up with all the Dortmund stuff now like we had a week and a half off or something now it's like oh no now I can't keep track of everything. yeah
2: it's kind of a it's kind of a mile a minute these past few days with whether it be the women the transfer rumors the two matches within four days you name it
1: the U19 also mm-hmm. flying which, which I guess we got a double header. I didn't even look at the times but we we have a Dortmund header with the U19s and the U uh, UEFA Youth League and then the The senior team uh, playing Wednesday as well. Um, So we're going to talk about all that. We're going to recap our game over the weekend against Bielefeld. Um, We got some news. We got some news that uh, Carve and I have an interesting perspective on, which we'll get into, but about Berkey. Um, and then uh, of course there's been some news lately with Holland and a Kanji. So we'll we'll talk about that. We're also going to preview mines. We do have a a women's update. They just took a cool trip over the weekend. They didn't have an official league game, but they took a cool trip over the weekend. So our buddy Adam is going to jump on for a quick little update about the women's team. And yeah, we'll see what else we get into. We got some Twitter questions, but, uh, yeah, right off the bat, let's, uh, jump into game over the weekend. Bielefeld going in with a, uh, (laughs) scary looking lineup. I mean, it was, it was going to be interesting to see like who, who was on the lineup and who, who was going to be. Um, I had a little more optimism. One is Bielefeld. They're like fighting relegation and they were also missing like six senior players too, which gave me a little more, it made me feel a little more optimistic, but going into the game thoughts on the lineup, like what, what what was going through your head?
2: Yeah. You look at this squad on paper and the starting 11 is, an Incredibly underwhelming, uh, starting 11 to say the least. I mean, we were posting over the past week or so of just injury update after injury update, and it's like there's another one oh, it's down like every day. It's yeah, like there's another or, one. Oh man, you know, more players. T- we we didn't even
1: talk about Tigas, <laughs> Tigas like yeah. broke his foot or something that came out. Uh, we got that news like well after we recorded the episode, it's just like
2: insane. It's just, yeah, it that uh, the roster just kept dwindling, man. It, it was. It's these are scary times, but you, you go into a back four with this game of uh, Paslak, Chen, Pongracic, and Schultz. That's pretty terrifying to say, especially for a league game. And then uh, it kind of turned into a back three at times of Witzel dropping really back between uh, the two center halves. And you have the midfield trio of uh, DeHood and um, – not a trio, excuse me. You have DeHood and Vitzel uh, as the pivots with Wolf and Hazard on the wings and then Mollen and the hole. With Malin, excuse me, with Jude in the hole and Malin slipping into that center forward role above that. But yeah, I mean, we knew it was already going to be a tough one given just our current form up and down these past few months. And then with the health of the uh, squad diminishing day by day, really just going to make it tougher now. Bielefeld is is battling uh, in the relegation zone, I'll give you that. But they are still a very difficult team to break down at times. I think they were a fifth in the league goals or fifth in the league for goals conceded per match on average. And you look at the front line of what we're going into that game, and it's not the most really dangerous looking side in front of goals. So um, I was, and also I wanted to address last week, there were a handful of players that I looked online and saw in different sources that were going to be out for Bielefeld, and they turned around and they were starting, like Patrick Wimmer oh. and Okagawa. So I sincerely apologize about that. I don't know how the sources I were reading I guess were that far off because I I stated that they were out till May. It looked like when the the things or places I were looking at and here they are starting a few days <laughs> later. So I was like, "Jesus, I was completely wrong." But yeah, anyway, I mean,
1: v- yeah, Vimmer looked pretty good too. He looked pretty dangerous.
2: Yeah, he didn't look bad. What what were you thinking going into this game any uh thing different?
1: Uh No, <laughs> just <laughs> S- scared and I was like I, uh, yeah it, it was just going to be interesting i knew that and um all the, the positive is like we, we saw that Holland was back and Reina was back which was really exciting we knew they weren't going to start cuz they'd been out for a while um but yeah uh, so exciting to see them and we even heard from Rosa that uh, Holland would be coming on for sure which i mean you kind of expect anyways and i i mean i thought they looked good when they came on they had a couple of good chances it's hard to say
2: <laughs>
0: You, yeah.
1: when Holland comes on, you expect him to score. So it's hard to be like, "Oh, he looked good, but like you still expect him to score. Um, I would it, say they look good cause they didn't come on and get injured immediately, which is why I felt yeah, good. Yeah. But also towards the end, like we just weren't creating much, like didn't get a lot of chances. So, um, yeah, to see pretty, them out on the field was good.
2: Yeah. Th- those two are pretty quiet, but it wasn't just those two. It was, it was pretty difficult for pretty much anyone in our starting 11 to get any sort of fluidity going, but, you know, considering the state of our squad, it, Wasn't that, um, you know, rough to see because you can't really expect much more from these types of players. I think we were missing at least like five starters that game. But I mean we still came out of the gates looking good. Was it only five? Probably more, probably more. (laughs) But we had we had good energy coming out of the gates uh, first half. Again, we couldn't get much fluidity going, but we did have good energy on the ball. Uh, we had true purpose and intent when we were on the ball, so we weren't just passing it back and forth, even though Witzel was on the field. So that was uh, nice to see. And we made a lot of good runs out wide. I know Rosa doesn't really fancy wingers much, but having two you know, wide players and Wolf and Hazard, that was able to help stretch out Bielefeld a little bit more, which helped create more chances going into the first half.
1: Yeah, even... Although Hazard is kind of a wing, like you saw Hazard and Wolf kind of playing together on that right side, it seemed like. I mean, Hazard might have been coming down the middle, but it seemed like we had a lot going down that right side uh, with Wolf and Hazard. They're like They were working together really well, I thought, going down that right side, um, which was nice to see. Uh, one thing that was terrifying, like early in the game, seemed, when we were trying to like play out the back a lot, I was like, this looks, it did not look good, and I was very worried uh, pretty early on. Um But, I mean, we we got through. It was like a rough start, but we got there eventually and were able to hang on. Um, We also had early on, like, first 15 minutes, Koble had two pretty good saves. They weren't, like, the best chances. Or uh, they weren't the best takes. They were good chances. Bielefeld could have done a lot better to uh, probably put those in, honestly. So, again, thanks to Koble for, like, keeping the clean sheet and keeping us in the game because he did save us a lot again. but.
2: Yeah, Bielefeld, they didn't look like they had many, if at all, clear cut chances throughout this game, but Kobold did have to, you know, be tested a few times this game, and he did well to keep that clean sheet. Um, but you know, we had a good combination's uh, for our first goal. And again, I mentioned already the wingers linking up. I think it was Jude over to Hazard, which completely stretched out Bielefeld in their final third. And um, that was able to give Hazard just an open you know, open opportunity to get a good cross in. And I think there were like three of our players that were already in for that tap in. I think it was Wolf, Witzel, and um might have been I don't know if it was Jude. I forget what other attacking player was on the might left hand side in the box. It might have been Rollin. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 That it was a great goal. It came from the uh we had a like a penal or a free kick which was well well outside eighteen. It was pretty far back, but uh it kind of bounced around, bounced out to jude um who kind of took his time he hesitated at first he like didn't pass it and i was like dude come on yeah. like, i was like oh god and then he like did this nice little chip out to hazard who uh, we, we talked about it before like our quick like one touch passing mm-hmm. um it- we're, we're one of the best teams at it if we can put it together uh, we can be so quick and so precise and that's exactly what it was and man so many highlights you watch back at dortmund you, you're gonna hear oh, what a great team goal. What a great team goal. You hear it over and over and over. And it's like, because that's what we do and we can do it so well. We just need to like get the defense solid so that we can play like a team. It's like we're so good at that when we can link it up. And for the most part, we do. It's just like we struggle in other areas. But it was so good like that, a little chip out past a hazard, which then you would almost see most players would have like taken an extra touch to settle the ball and then clear it in. And by that time, you're you're out you're out of time or like you missed the opportunity but he did so well to just a one touch right back into the sixth for wolf to tap it in which dude wolf was uh on something this game he looked great uh he he, he just stepped up a lot and that's what we needed and he he was fantastic
2: yeah he was playing as an actual attacker or a right winger which you know gives him a lot more freedom to do whatever he wants to kind of uh when it comes to attacking, he's going to be a player that tracks back. He's got the work rate and ability to at least defend somewhat decently at times. Um, but yeah, now that he's got the freedom to do whatever he wants in attacking, he's going to be a lot more dangerous in front of goal. It, it was a tap in I'll, I'll, you know, I'll give people that, that wasn't the most, um, far out goal. But again, like I mentioned before, it was a great team goal. Everyone was able to contribute, got a handful of players involved and, um, those are not easier, or those are not as easy as may pe- people may think. You know, being in that position at the right place and right time, and able to get it in the net is is uh, pretty difficult. And that marks two goals and three league games, I think, for Wolf as well.
1: Yeah, and overall, like uh, the goal wasn't anything. It wasn't like a Golazo. It wasn't anything spectacular. But like being there and just his work rate throughout the game, uh, just some stats like he had four shots, uh, accurate, seventy one percent pass accuracy, had two. Uh key passes, his expected goals was uh point seven six, which good for him. Like yeah. he he was in and around it. Um two out of three shot accuracy. Um yeah, I don't know. He he had a lot of touches. I think he had the most touches in the box and maybe in the first half or while he was on the field, like yeah. His his work rate work rate was was great. And his was I, I was I was expecting
2: a brace from him, honestly. Like I, I thought
1: yeah, me he was too. gonna
2: get another one. Me too. Um it was a great work rate from all around, though. I mean, I've already mentioned before, Vitzel did a good job of controlling the game well. Uh, when he is on his day, he can really help with our stability issues in the back, especially in these really scrappy games. You know, he's not going to provide much of any pace or anything or much going forward uh, nowadays. But in times like these, whenever we do need a player to help bring on that stability, he can uh, offer that. Uh, Paslak as well. I mean, he we haven't seen him in I don't know how long, and you know, people like said, he's just like a ener- little energizer bunny. That's going to give a hundred percent until the final whistle, every single game. And he always looks like he has something to prove. So more power to him, you know, he, for him not getting much of any minutes and still giving that much commitment to uh, the team. Every time you get those small opportunities is cool to see.
1: Yeah. He, he was, he was fantastic. I think he was a big surprise for everyone. Um, and he's like he took his chance. He might not get another chance. Like he had this chance because I mean he's pretty far down the list. Yeah, he had this chance because how how many injuries do we have? But like he took it, and um, I I want I want to say like I hope he's rewarded. I I don't know if we're we're gonna see it happen, but like he he took his chance and he played really well. So good good on him to just like prove himself and and step in. And I think because he was uh, like so solid back there that also allowed Wolf to be more creative and make sure he mm-hmm. wasn't, he didn't have to track back as much, but really play, be an offensive player for us. Um, yeah. So it was great to see.
2: Yeah. And, and um, I know like one of past biggest downfalls is he's not the biggest person. He doesn't much have much of any strength. So it's nice to have Chan right beside him in that back four. And Chan had a pretty solid game as well. He had the really bad mental lapse coming out of like seconds into the second half. And he made that really stupid foul. But other than that, Chan had a really good game as well. Again, I've mentioned for uh, plenty of times that he always likes to drive the ball forward when he gets the ball. He's not just about passing it back around in the back, you know, uh, just left and right. He's looking to penetrate their lines and uh, always get something going. And he brings a lot of leadership too. So he played really well and... um, yeah, I mean, decent first half overall. It defended well for the most part. Didn't give really anything away and uh, minimi- minimized needless errors at the back, which those are three things that we've been really wanting to see from Dortmund for you know, most of this season. Uh, years, really. So, wasn't the cleanest first half by any means. It wasn't the best performance you've ever had, but it's exactly what we needed going into the last 45.
1: Yeah, I think like the big thing is the individual mistakes. Like, at mm-hmm. halftime, I I remember just going through tweets and everything and people were like, wow, we, um, like, we look pretty solid, but it's like, that's the thing. It's like, we, we didn't have the individual mistakes. There yeah. was one, I don't remember who it was who like passed it right to the middle of the field. It might've been Chan passed it right to the middle. And that led to one of their shots on goal, I think. Um, but besides that, like there was just wasn't the individual mistakes, which is what we see so much and why we, <clears throat> we think so much like our defenses, like, shame bollock because because one mistake you can have one mistake one individual mistake that's going to lead to a goal but oh we yeah we get punished for it every single time yeah, yeah so when when we don't have those and goals aren't going in it's like wow we're, we're solid we're great it's like no this is just how a normal defense should be playing without you like take take that issue out and you look so much better even with a makeshift back four um yeah so yeah. That, that that was the big thing it was great i wasn't like typing up every five minutes like oh Giveaway by the him. Oh, yeah.
2: Needless. Terrible penalty. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, the second half was a little bit more scrappy, a little bit more cagey. Didn't have too many clear-cut chances, but I know uh, Mollen had a handful of great shots this game. Um, 39th minute, I think he had that great dribble where he took on three of Bielefeld's players and had that quick uh, shot that went a little over the bar. But early in the second half, he had that gorgeous shot from the right side of the box. Where it went over Ortega and just and I mean like just under the bar enough to bounce out of the goal instead of back in. And that yeah. was frustrating because I know Marco Royce, uh his first season with us, he had a very similar goal. It was against Gladback, but it was on that right side of the box where it had the dip over the goalie and under the bar. So and Malin again just keeps getting robbed by the post this season. I think it's dude, like close to like at least ten times in all competitions. He's been robbed by the post. Dude, that was like that that goal was or that uh, no goal or that shot.
1: That was another one of those where like, you just didn't see it coming. Mm -hmm. He's so quick. He can release it with such power and like precision. Just, he's got a
2: lot of power for someone that's able to just slap him off. Like that quick. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, it was insane. So we, on that note, we did have a Twitter question. Um, I just want to throw it in there because we're talking about Mullen and that specifically hitting the bar so much is from uh, Jordan at Hunt underscore 1909. Do you think Mullen has been unlucky this season in terms of
2: his goals? Yeah, and that's not um, trying to downplay, you know, his bad decision making, because I think that's one of his worst downfalls so far at this kind of level is really just making the wrong decision times on and off the ball. But again, yeah, Rob by the post, I, I think it's at least nine or ten times. And, yeah. um, those, those goals are going to eventually come if we keep giving him the confidence and, uh, backing that he needs, you know, keep getting more game time. He's, he's going to become a prolific scorer and a goal scorer. In my opinion, I, I really think he does have that kind of ability. It's just, again, some people just take longer than others when it comes to, uh, moving up a level in yeah. world soccer. Yeah. I, I don't think, I don't,
1: I don't like luck in terms of like football matches mm-hmm. um i mean you can be lucky or unlucky but it, as far as this like a consistent like oh is he just unlucky and i'm not saying that like he doesn't have the skills um it's just more of like settling in get a little more confidence and it, it's just something that will come with time we talked about it before like uh it's a new league for him new team he's probably playing a lot more than <laughs> he, he thought or like anyone expected honestly he's had to jump in the role to fill uh holland being yeah. out so yeah um, I, I think it's just something, like you said, once he gets more settled, it will. those goals will start to go in. And we, we shouldn't be... I don't think we should write off his season like, oh, he's so unlucky. Uh, just look at that as optimistic, as like... Yeah, he he's got the skill and the fact that he's getting these shots off is crazy. Um, I I definitely wouldn't really promising.
2: Yeah, I really I definitely wouldn't write off this season as like a failure for Malin. I I personally, at least unless, you know, the rest of the season, it becomes like a, you know, much more major dip in form. But I think it's been, you know, at least a hopeful season. It shows that he does have the ability in moments. Just, again, a matter of improving his football IQ and, um, learning the game plans a little bit more and also settling into a position that we know we can consistently play him in. You mentioned before mm-hmm. filling in for Holland in the center role. And then also at times going back from a, uh, in the left or right side. So just a matter of adjusting, but yeah, good game from Mullen overall.
1: Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. I think these last I can't keep track. I don't know if it's 10 or nine now. It might be nine games now. Cause like for two nine weeks games, straight, yeah. I said, 10 games (laughs) because the delay or the postponement um it'll be interesting to see if holland stays healthy these last 10 games um where what happens to mullen because i i kind of i hope that he stays in the lineup and maybe plays as a winger role um or they play two strikers who knows like who knows what's going to happen because this whole the lineup and game plan all season's been all over the place but uh i think he deserves to i think he deserves to say in the, in the starting 11. I just don't know where.
2: Yeah. yeah. Assuming, especially, especially with Brandt's form dipping pretty dramatically as well since like December now. Um, what did you think of
1: Brandt's game uh, when he came on though?
2: Because I thought he looked good. It's like maybe that this is what he needed was
1: some time off, especially yeah. having, having that dip and he didn't get a chance to rest or anything. Uh, maybe this is what he needed.
2: It, it wasn't anything too memorable, but I, I don't think he did that bad. Yeah. Um, it it'll be interesting to see how many minutes he gets here going forward, but uh, yeah, nothing too um, promising. But right. anyway, uh, <laughs> you know the game at overall well fought victory mentioned already it was very scrappy, and it certainly was going to be pretty difficult going into it with this squad. I mean, to have to get a, a clean sheet three in a row, by the way, three clean sheets and one goal. No, no, I'm sorry. Not not three clean sheets. One goal conceded yeah, in our draws. last three games. Yeah. And especially with a clean sheet with a back four of Paslec, Chan, Pongracic, and Schultz is pretty impressive. And also mm-hmm. with Bayern dropping points yet again, you know, it, it just brews the title race up just a little bit. And if we can, you know, win again on uh, against Mainz, we're only within three, four points now. Four points.
1: Yeah, we so we kind of have a game in hand. Um, I mean, we we do have a game in hand. It was weird. I was getting when people were like, oh, we had two games in hand. It's like, not really. We just haven't played yet. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Played yet on Sunday or whenever it was. But so we do have a game in hand, which is Wednesday we're going to talk about. Um, And if we win this, we get three points. Um, Yeah, then we'll be within four and we still have them to play, uh, which is a good position to be in. We, We still need them to drop some more points, but it's it's doable Not a bad position. position yeah, and it's definitely doable
2: if we can, if some miracle can happen and we can get like you know a point in Bayern or get a, a win in Munich that you know that uh, takes these last few games into the season and makes it really really interesting because then we're tied with them uh, yeah but yeah so we'll preview Mainz but before we do have some news again uh, for about Berkey Akanji and Holland who do you want to start with
1: Let's start with Berkey. Right, I has think be that's Berkey. a big one. Be and Berkey, if, right? <laughs> if we have any new listeners specifically from St. Louis today, I think that's what they want to know. That's what we want to talk about. Yeah. So Carver and I, a little, little background on why I said we, we have a, an interesting take on this. Um, I, so Carver and I have mentioned it before. If you're new, Carver and I do live in St. Louis. And uh, we have our MLS team starting in 2023. This is the team that Berkey is linked to be signing with. Which is very exciting. So, my perspective is like I'm excited as like I don't know. I'm just, I'm just imagining like seeing Berkey like 20 feet from me, which is super exciting. Um, and I, and then I know I know there's some fans who, I mean, everyone in all the Dortmund supporters like, oh, thank goodness, get him out of here. Oh, and then all the St. Louis fans who might not know that he hasn't been playing for the last two years are like, oh, we're getting Dortmund's goalie. This is amazing. And then maybe they do a little research. There's gonna be a little confusion or like, I've already seen some people are like, Oh, well he hasn't been playing for two years. Is this the guy we want? Uh, we did get some Twitter questions. Like people were messaging me specifically like, Oh, what, what are your thoughts? And my thought was, I think he's a beast. Uh, <laughs> no, he hasn't been how tall he is and like how he's just a monster. Um, I'm excited as a St. Louis fan to, to have him coming. Cause I think he's, he's just needed a change and this could be something Good for him. Um, and so that, that's where I'm, I'm excited. Uh, and I've been excited for him to like get a change out of Dorman. It's a weird thing. It's a weird thing being a fan of like both. Uh, but I, I, I guess I want to get like your take on him and his background and like the move and I don't know both, both sides Carver, yeah. you, you unleash it.
2: Yeah. So last night you sent me a link and it was the rumor between Berkey and St. Louis city SC And I read it and I was like, "Eh, that seems pretty unlikely. You know, we've been trying to offload him for a few years, but his wage demands have been too high and it's going to be difficult to find a team that's going to match that. And then Fabrizio Romano, arguably, you know, the top source in European or world soccer uh, for transfers, tweeted yesterday or this morning saying Berkey has reached a verbal agreement with St. Louis City. He will discuss final details this week in order to announce his transfer to St. Louis soon. And then when I read that, I was like, "Holy shit, this is insane!" And I, I it got me so excited to talk about it because, I mean, Berkey again. And Berkey and Dortmund have been looking at apart for a few years now, and uh, his tenure at Dortmund has been nothing short of a roller coaster, just full of up and ups and downs on and off the pitch. By the way, so you know, like one minute he's one of the most underrated keepers in Europe, in my opinion. And the next when his confidence takes a huge dip, inevitably he's making schoolboys' mistakes left and right. And, you know, we all know he was never much of a sweeper keeper and in the modern game and at the level that we needed them to be at, he just couldn't fulfill that role. And he never really improved with his distribution and decision-making, but he, whatever, whatever he uh, lacks in that at times on his day, he can make up for it and reflexes and his positioning has really improved a lot. Um, but I know even off the pitch, from what I read online uh, a few years back, it took him a, a long time to recover after the bus bombing in years back in 2017. Uh, so that's been tough for him, I know, and it's some family issues. I think, if I, I could be wrong, it's just things that I read online. So it wasn't necessarily always you know just him and Dortmund. They were having um, issues, and that's why he couldn't perform that well. But I mean, having all that said, this is a terrific. This is terrific news if it actually pulls through for both teams um on the st louis side you know we don't have a keeper yet and to have one of that experience um and bring that kind of ability and quality to the team like st louis is is huge you know i I imagine if if he performs even at the level that i think he's going to perform and he'll be one of the best keepers in the mls hands down and um you know, maybe Berkey will like it here in St. Louis. It, I, I, it's it's weird to think, but like, you know, they're both St. Louis and Dortmund are both like post-industrial cities. I've only visited Dortmund once and it was only for a few days, but you know, we do live from, in St. Louis and in my opinion, they're pretty similar cities in some aspects. You know, I, I mentioned already how much deep and uh, rich history both cities have. They both have nice parks they can both be lively, but still on the small side compared to other U.S. cities. And they both have soccer deep in their blood. So I think Berkey might have looked at that, and that might have been one of the convincing things that brought him over here, if it does actually pull through. But, yeah, very exciting. I'm also excited to see him 20 feet away in St. Louis as well. Yeah. So before
1: we you give like maybe the, the Dortmund spin and the Dortmund take or talk as a Dortmund supporter, I want to stay here on, on St. Louis and promise we're not a St. Louis. We're not going to be an MLS podcast, but this is so crazy. Like we, I
2: know we're going
1: to, I know we're going to have some like new people from St. Louis who are specifically listening. So, uh, and I, I do another St. Louis specific soccer podcast. And so I like the pressures on from those guys, like they're like messaging me and asking me what the lowdown is. Like, <laughs> I don't like chill. I like, we're literally recording. So yeah, we'll, we'll get to it. But, um, one thing, and we have mentioned it before, but the sporting director for MLS or our MLS team is Lutz Svanenstiel, who uh, has been in the Bundesliga a lot, like has a lot of connections. Worked at Hoffenheim, mm-hmm. um, and which is why like some of our other signings have come from Bundesliga, which is kind of unique for MLS. And when they announced Lutz, and uh, w- the question was like, "What? How is this going to play out? Like, what's?" Because people thought that that's what people thought was like maybe we're going to see some Bundesliga. Bundesliga people, I cannot talk. Bundesliga <laughs> people and players coming through because MLS is very much um, players coming through from South America, which is a great transition, um, and that leads to a lot of those like South American players eventually move into Europe. Like it's a nice kind of stepping stone thing. So it was going to be interesting to see how this all worked. And Lutz is doing it. Like he's gotten some young players coming to us. Yeah. Um, now we have Berkey, and it. I think. No, we don't have, but more than likely, yeah, yeah. By the time this episode is out on Wednesday, we might have Berkey. That'd be uh, crazy. <laughs> we don't have as of we're recording it. But I think, obviously, Lutz has a good reputation, and he's saying the right things to get these guys to come. Um, even though w- the team won't officially start for another year, yeah. the pro team is not starting for a year, we have players who are signed on to come this summer when like our reserves team is playing. Um, which is exciting for us. And it's going to be exciting to like, I don't know if, say we get him and everything and Berkey comes to St. Louis this summer. I don't know if he's going to play in our reserves team, which would be insane, but he's going to be there. And I don't know, I'm going to ask him to sign
2: some stuff. (laughs) Me too, (laughs) me too. Um, Yeah, apparently he rejected a handful of other clubs, including Bayern Munich. And I think it was just a matter of, Another thing for him is, you know, he didn't want to retire and spend these next few years as a third string goalkeeper. He's been doing it for a year and a half with us, and he certainly wasn't going to get much game time over in Munich. So, I, I don't know what Lutz uh, also offered him whenever he was talking to him. But you're, you're right; he is he's killing it right now as the St. Louis sporting director. He's taking or bringing in a lot of talent, which I was nervous about because for those of you who don't know, St. Louis is building a whole new brand, a brand new stadium, training facility, and all of that. So I didn't know how much of the finances were actually going to go into investing into the team, given you know all the expenses already for this past year of creating the team. So these are these are some big moves that we've been making.
1: Yeah, and I think with Lutes and the like we've been hyping him up so much in St. Louis because the moves he's making were like in, in Lutz for, tricks, for, an, yeah, like, for an MLS team at least, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um but I, I think on the, the Berkey thing and because Lutz does come from Bundesliga and I mean he's literally played all over the world but he has a big connection with Bundesliga um, and he does commentating you if you aren't too familiar with Lutz and you watch Bundesliga in America on ESPN he commentates pretty much every weekend he was in Germany last week because he took a selfie at, I don't remember what game he was at but um, so he, so he might have had a conversation with Berkey then yeah I don't know but he was there last week but with, with all this tying together like he knows Berkey's history and I'm sure, like, he's had some I, – I just don't think he would sign him, potentially sign him, or make this move if he didn't think it was, it was going to be viable or if he was going to be here and not be able to be in the right mental space. Like, I'm sure they've been talking for a long time. Yeah. And the fact that he knows Bundesliga has probably had a lot of conversations with him. I'm very confident that this could be a good move for him to get back – to where he needs to be and and perform, yeah, perform consistently.
2: And and the U S has also had, you know, partnership with a handful of different Bundesliga clubs. And, you know, the academies in the last like three or four years have linked between, you know, cities like Dallas and um, plenty of other, like New York too, plenty of other places. And, you know, we just have that connection between the U S and Germany. So a lot of our talent has been slowly going more abroad rather than, you know, playing in college in the MLS, which is great to see, but that's, a whole nother podcast to talk about, you know, us talent, but yeah, again, that's, that's cool that we have this connection and, uh, to the Bundesliga gang can attract talent from Europe.
1: Uh, I do want to shout out Derek on Twitter. I feel like he's the most prolific Dortmund tweeter out there. <laughs> he's one of my favorite people. He has so many hot takes and I love it, but he, he lives in Nebraska. Him and I were talking, uh, he lives in Nebraska and he was like, I think he tweeted something Friday night, maybe or Saturday. He's like, "Oh, what, what's everyone doing?" And I was just like watching MLS, and I tweeted from the BVB pod account. Um, and he asked our, our team, and I said, "Well, we're from St. Louis, so." And this was before the Berkey news and everything. And he 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 had mentioned like, "Oh, I think I've considered like adopting them as my team when they start." And then when
2: the Berkey news broke, I was like, yeah, "Of course you are now, <laughs> yeah, I guess, dude!" Yeah, I you I was like you got to
1: come to a game and everything. So <laughs> yeah
2: yeah but huge news that that is that was really uplifting to see this uh this morning whenever fabrizio sent out that tweet so
1: what's your take on as like a Dortmund fan and supporter like good riddance
2: <laughs> no I, I, i'm not not even really good riddance because you know i started watching dortman a few years before we got Berkey, so i got to see you know his whole you know the whole his whole shift that he put in with us over the past few years and um you know, I, I've I complete. my friends can tell you, I've gone up and down with him. I remember the first few years, I was like, oh man, he's, he's just not it. He's not the keeper that can really live up to the standards that we're trying to set as a club. And there was like a season and a half where I was like, I, I was wrong. I think he's really turned his form around and he's now one of the most underrated keepers in Europe. I still stand by that. But then in 2017, 2018, that's whenever the form just kind of dipped again. And ever since then, it's had like, you know, moments where he's been decent, but just just doesn't really uh, cut it for me. And I, I think already yeah. Coble has really blown him out of the water. So not good riddance, but I am um, I'm, I'm, I hope, it, you know, I wish for the best for him and I hope he can uh, play for years to come in St. Louis. You know, he's going to get plenty of chances for first team time, obviously, for years to come. And he's only 31. So.
1: And this will be an open invitation if he ever wants to come on the podcast or be a co-host. Or yeah, I don't know, right? a we'll, co-host. We'll see what happens. <laughs> we'll get him to pop by the studio. Yeah. Uh, which we are not in if we sound a little different. We're not. We're virtual tonight. Um, but yeah, that's the, that's the Berkey news. Uh, okay, so we do have some other transfer-ish
2: news that we'll get into too. Yep. So we have updates for Holland and Akenji. I'll start with just Akenji. So the board is reportedly considering one last offer to extend to Akenji. He's rejected two of our contract extensions in the last several months and it looks like this is the last and final offer and reports are saying he's going the increase is going from 8 million to 10 million and I don't know how true that is but man that that is a lot and I as much as you know I've been writing a Kanji all season I really I don't think he's a 10 million dollar player a year player um, obviously in wages not his market value, but, you know, we could put that money obviously towards other center backs. We've been raging about Schlatterbeck for, you know, months now, week after week and Schlatterbeck's going to take a salary. That's like half that. So, you know, it's just a matter of setting your standards as a club. And it's, it's not really that uh, good of a look for a club, especially if, you know, Kenji accepts that 10, we can risk losing um, a much needed signing elsewhere and other players will start demanding those same wages you know?
1: Yeah. I, and shout out to Tom on Twitter who did, he asked us about a Kanji and our thoughts on him staying. Uh, The fact that we, he's turned us down twice. I think just raising the price that much, which seems a bit over makes me want to say no, man, just like, it seems like he doesn't want to stay. So don't just try to bribe him to, but at the same time, like he could be great. And, I'm also looking at who is our defensive lineup next year, which I know we talk a lot about back, back three, back five, back four, and one thing I've just noticed lately because I, I haven't been paying much, I don't, I pay been paying more attention now, and I might sound like an idiot for not realizing it sooner, but just paying attention to uh, Bayern playing a back three with Sule in the middle, yep. sh- Schlaughter back with. Um, I mean yeah, Schlatterback playing a, on the left like center center defensive or center mid. Oh my god. Center back, yeah. <laughs> Carver I'm falling <laughs> apart. Center back <laughs> but on the left side. So that's it's like we're potentially building out a back 3 cuz those that's the roles that they're playing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that's me being optimistic thinking maybe we're building out a back 3 which is what we talked about so much what we wanted um yeah, but
2: maybe we're not doing that, I don't know, but there there's our but there's just like so much that we need so much more that we need to invest into the team this summer. And if we already put a lot of our money into Sule, you know, and then we're going to be going after Kenji, that that put if if we sign a Kenji, that pretty much guarantees we're not going after Schlotterbeck. There's no way we cash that much in on just three defenders because you still need to invest into a box-to-box midfielder. I think that's definitely high on the priority uh, or a priority for the summer as well as, you know, Holland's looking pretty much guaranteed to leave as well. So um, we're going to need an attacker as well. And I don't think we just have the funds for all of those players. So
1: what is the, I forget the Zagadou situation. Is his contract up? Or is that one you think he's out?
2: Yeah, so his contract does end this summer as well. So we have, I mean, we have a handful of players leaving this summer and then a lot of players play, leaving in the summer of 2023 as well. So it's going to be, you know, kind of a do or die these next eight or so months for Borussia Dortmund. Of do we know if you know half of our team is going to leave or stay? Yeah, that that's one I, thing. I think Zagadu is probably going to leave as well.
1: It's one thing that worries me is if if Akanji and Zagadu leave, we just need some. I guess uh Kulabali might be coming up, yes. but it's like we, we just seem so short on uh backups.
2: Yeah, I think, I think if Akenji and Zagadu leave, we can we could go in for Schlatterbeck. That relieves a lot of wages, especially with Berkey leaving. And then, so you lock down two defenders. I think that's probably good enough for center backs. Um, especially yeah, until one gets injured. Yeah, it's fair. But you still have three guaranteed starters in Schlatterbeck, Hummels, and Sule. And then after that, you can look at, uh, yeah. you know, you can go yeah. back to the Chans and Koulibalys. But yeah, next you want to go into a box-to-box midfielder attacker and potentially a winger as well. It's sad because, you know, Akenji, this is easily his best season with us. He's looked phenomenal. He's. I've said to plenty of people these last few months that he's one of, if not the most underrated defender in Europe. But at the same time, this is also like the only season that he's really performed this well. Last season, he was all right for sure, but like before that, I mean, they I can. It was easy to find people back then that did not care for Kenji much whatsoever. The first two years, he was here. So, it's sad to see him depart. But if that's what he's looking for, if he's chasing that kind of green, look, it looks like yeah. we're going to look elsewhere. So, uh, since
1: I mean, we did talk about attackers and wingers. So, on that note, now that he's a winger, but we we yeah. had another uh, Twitter question from Nico on Twitter, of course, because. Man, I am all over the place. <laughs> if you can't tell. I'm all over the place. <laughs> Said, "Are you okay? This is that we've talked about it before, and I'm gonna go off a little bit, like I had before." He says, "Are you also tired of the Holland saga?" Yes, um, every Borussia Dortmund fan, as is. I am,
2: absolutely. I, so here's where I am. I'm not. I don't even what? think he's a saga. Like wh- it's it's been since, because, since he's the day he signed. It's been a saga. <laughs> but if if Okay, maybe. Last um, spring, there were rumors, like, almost every yeah, other there's day.
1: Gonna be, there's going to be, there's always going to be rumors, and it's not like, I don't know, part of the saga is people are mad, like, make a decision, but it's like,
2: we don't need a decision now. I, I disagree. I, I think I think we needed a decision a few weeks ago. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, you need to prepare for what, it's already a huge summer for us, and, you know, with Holland leaving, it's going to be that much more vital to find at least a half decent replacement for him and you have to get these decisions right. And if you don't have that much time, it's going to be hard to um, find the proper replacement. But so yeah, the update that we had for him is um, Fabrizio Romano also had on his podcast that released today stating that Madrid, Real Madrid are ready to pay whatever Bercia Dortmund want for Holland. I think even there were rumors of um, they're going to pay more than his release clause to kind of, I guess, seal the deal. And also, according to Romano, it is up to Holland where he wants to play. And he apparently does not care about money. He cares about the project of the club. You know, remember, he chose Salzburg over Juve years ago. He chose Borussia Dortmund over Manchester United in 2019, 2020. And now, you know, I think he's just going to be ready to take that next step of where he wants to go and hopefully chooses uh, correctly as well for this decision
1: yeah and there were also big links with manchester city yeah manchester uh, city as as well one of the other big
2: betters. i guess
1: my thing is i understand that we there's a he needs we need to know if he's leaving or not i've kind of just always been under the assumption like he's gonna leave like i guess that's where i am so i'm like i saw it coming like so i'm just like don't be mad at him now just let him play let him score goals yeah and just know that He's not going to be here next year. Um.
2: It's sad, but that's the actual truth. It, it literally is just enjoy yeah. him while you can because, I mean, if if, if some miracle happens and he turns around and, and chooses an extension with us, hallelujah. But, yeah, that's another player that's probably going to be looking to leave this summer, but just wanted to give a good update. So, I mean, at least we have three solid updates on players that, you know, that have been uh, back and forth for the past few months. Now we know uh, a good amount, so –
1: So, okay, random question. Sure. Not Dortmund related. I mean, just a Holland. Do you have a preference where you
2: would like to see him go? I think, I mean, I I wanted to stay because I think he still has a lot of love for this team and he hasn't played, I think he's played like less than 10 matches, maybe even five matches under a full stadium in, in Dortmund. So I think you've really missed out on that and that could have maybe influenced him to stay if, had there been no pandemic, not saying that's, you know, that was like the priority of the pandemic or anything to get him to stay with anything. But, um, yeah, I'm, and, but also I'm, I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not someone who puts a player over the club in any circumstance. And if he has that kind of attitude where he just doesn't really look like he wants to be here and he has that body language at times, then, yeah, cash in and let's move on. We've done it yep. with countless amount of great strikers in the past six or seven years anyway.
1: And I, I didn't ask that question as a, like me saying, I want him to yeah. leave. I've just like accepted it. Um, also just me as, so I was thinking of me as like a, a guy, I do watch a lot of premier league. Um, and so I would rather see him go to man city than like a man united because man City's already good. They're already winning everything. It's like, fine, let him.
2: Wait, you think Man United is going to win everything? What do you mean?
1: No, Man City. I said I would rather see him go to Man City. As somewhat a Premier League fan who watches a lot of Premier League, I'd rather see him go to Man City than like a Man United.
2: Yeah, but United aren't. I think you were saying United are winning everything.
1: Well, I meant Man City is already winning everything. And so I don't want him to come to Man U and make them better.
2: (laughs) At least I make the Premier League a little (laughs) bit more interesting. People always talk about the Bundesliga being, you know, a one horse race. And it's kind of like, you know, I mean, almost every league besides maybe La Liga in the past few days has been becoming like that. I mean, you have Mm -hmm. Liverpool in the Premier League, but you also had like Man City winning the league like four out of the last six years or something like that. Yeah.
1: I'd also, I'd rather see him go to Real Madrid than Barcelona.
2: It's just my, yeah, I think that'd be kind of a weird fit for him at Barcelona. That doesn't really fit his persona much or his play style. Really? Yeah.
1: All right, anyways, uh, anything more about Holland? Oh, we did have a – I think there was a Hazard question. Did you have any updates on
2: Hazard? No, just other something. than I know he's looking elsewhere and his agents are looking elsewhere. Lack of game time, but at the same time with the level that he's been performing at in the last year and a half to two years, it's like, I'm sorry, are you expecting more minutes?
1: He's also getting old. I didn't realize how – He's how only
2: 28, he so I think he's just still like in his prime. Um And, you know, he performed really well for us his first season. But, yeah, when it comes to replicating that, he's been very underwhelming.
1: Yeah. All right. So if that's all the transfer and kind of newsy stuff, um, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to have Adam jump on to give a little uh, preview and update about the, uh, the women's team. And then we'll be back to preview mites.
0: Hey everyone, Adam Dorowski here to provide an update on the Borussia Dortmund women's team. So just one week into the second half of the season, the women's team found themselves with a free weekend. So in the Kreisliga A, typically eight out of the ten teams are in action while the other two are free that weekend. Uh, Bay used this as an opportunity for an educational tour, and uh, the team traveled to Poland. It was the first time they'd traveled together outside of Germany. On the trip, the team visited Auschwitz and took part in other tours and exhibits. They also had a training session at the Beva Bay Academy that was founded by Lukas Pieczek. This is the first Beva Bay Academy outside of Germany. <clears throat> On Saturday, they played a friendly match against or right, I'm gonna work with the pronunciation here, Gozakovich Droge, uh, I believe that's close to what it is uh th- that's the women's team of peace current and boyhood club they currently play in the fourth tier in the the poland women's pyramid and uh, i believe they're second in the league right now so Base started with a somewhat rotated side without their typical starters vanessa heim and katrin Lau, Virginie glanzer uh anna Zabel, louisa bergman and lea roja harper uh Anna Guzman is also still out, uh, recovering from elbow surgery. So be struck first with Carolyn Kahl, forcing the ball over the line in the fourth minute. Uh, she pressured the defender to pry the ball loose, and then Annika Billig uh, picked it up and returned the pass. Kahl's first shot was saved, but then she slotted home her own rebound, uh, but unfortunately the hosts equalized ten minutes after that with a really a very nice finish by Anna Zita. From there, there wasn't much action near the goals. Uh, Dorman was probably, arguably, the better side, but it didn't really—they didn't really have many scoring chances to show for it. Around the 70th minute, Lena Kuhl, the goalkeeper, was called on to make a brilliant fingertip save as an opposing attacker was all alone on a breakaway. I mean, this was truly a great save. Uh, But just a couple minutes later, ann Catherine Lau, who came in uh, at halftime, she gave Beva Bay the lead with a wonderful finish. Uh, Center back Marina Young had picked up a loose ball and then found Anna Zabel, who also came on at halftime. and in open space, and then Zabel passed to the onrushing Lau who stopped on a dime uh, giving her space from the two defenders she kind of caught them uh, off balance so then she lifted her shot perfectly into the far upper corner uh, where the goalkeeper just couldn't reach it and it was 2-1 to one Dortmund uh, the only problem is that uh, <laughs> uh, in the 90th minute uh, Gokalkovic Draug I'm, I'm working on it uh, Drew level uh, and, and finished with a 2-2 draw. I don't have any details on that goal because, unfortunately, the stream had stopped at that point. We list, missed the last 10 minutes or so. Uh, so, Dorbin has played 13 friendlies now. That's quite a few. Uh, many of them against competition one or two tiers above them. In those friendlies, they have eight wins, three draws, and two losses. They've scored 36 and conceded 14. And the leading scorers in the friendlies are very similar to the leading scorers in the league and cup play. Vanessa Heim has six goals. And then Anne Katrin Lau and Hannah Guzman, despite her injury for, for the most recent set of games, have five goals apiece. Vavo Bay will be back in action on Sunday, March 20th, at home against SF Solderholtz. Solderholtz was one of their tougher opponents in the first half. Uh, Dorman still came out victorious 4-0, but... 4-0 was pretty much their closest match in the, that first part of the season. Uh, Solar Hills does sit third in the table with seven wins, a draw, and two losses. Then on Thursday, March 24th, so just four days later, they'll play the Kreispokal semifinal, um, or is it quarterfinal? One of those, uh, against Vamela S. Vau. Wambla plays in the Berserksliga and sits 7th out of 14 teams. They have 7 wins, 2 draws, and 6 losses. And that is the former club of Dortmund players Lily Prinzen, uh, center back, and Annika Falker, who is a winger-slash-fullback who uh, did start this game in Poland. So both of those matches are going to be streamed live, um, and you can find links, I'm sure, that the... The uh, the folks will uh, tweet it out. Uh, if not, I will. You can find me on Twitter at foosballtwit. Uh, once again, this is Adam Dorowski. Happy to talk about the women's team anytime. Take care.
1: All right, thanks, uh, Adam. For the... oh no, Carver Carver's back on camera. Car, Carver came back from the break with his cat, just staring at me.
2: She has something. <laughs> she has something to say. She has a uh, important update. <laughs>
1: uh yeah her update is thank you adam for doing that awesome uh women's yeah. preview we have all his info his website and his twitter everything in the description of our podcast so check that out check out adam give him a follow uh, and we'll probably have him keep doing some updates because yeah. he's awesome has a lot of great info um and real quick before we get into the preview from Mainz there's a very good chance this game is already on or starting really soon um if you're listening to this beforehand, I don't know what time you're listening to it, but uh, the Dortmund U-19s, we t- we mentioned last week, they've been flying, cruising. Uh, they're in the quarterfinal of the UEFA Youth League. They just beat Man United, the favorites for the tournaments, and now they're playing Atletico. I think, yeah, yeah at- Atletico. Atletico kickoff is at ter- 10.30 Central Time. I believe you can watch it on the UEFA.TV website for free so maybe check that out um uh, but yeah hopefully they can uh and they they also like made it i don't remember how far they just won a game to progress further in their the german cup to u19 german cup so yeah they're in the pokal as well yeah so we might not so the first team might not win any trophies but dortmund u19 going to bring it home always for silverware us, so. somewhere <laughs> so yeah make sure you're you're paying attention to them um but la- later uh whether you're listening before or after Dortmund senior team uh, also kick off 12.30 central time uh, against Mainz. So we'll get into our preview of them.
2: Yeah, Mainz looking pretty solid this season. They've been sitting mid-table for the better part of this whole season, really. And uh, they've won two, tied one, and lost two in their five league games. They had like a short run where they beat Hoffenheim, tied Freiburg the next game, and then the next game after that, they had that late-minute Last minute winner against Leverkusen. And uh, that's, I think that's what Adam was mentioning a few uh, weeks back when he was on. But uh, Mainz are a solid team, man. They, they rank third in the league for goals preceded, conceded per match. It's tied with Freiburg and only one goal behind Bayern. So they're a very uh, defensively solid team. So I hope Holland is going to be playing and I hope Holland brings his hay game because. We mentioned before how toothless look our attack can look at times. And if we have trouble breaking teams down like Augsburg, it's going to be even, you know, a lot more difficult to break down a team like uh, Mainz. But Mainz also have a handful of decent attacking players. They have the left attacking wingback Caracol, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, the young Spaniard who's had a handful of assists and goals this team, this season for Mainz. And, um, I know also Adam mentioned a few weeks back that Bruckard usually is Nets one against us, but he hasn't scored or assisted since January. So maybe we can... So it sounds like a great time for him yeah, to Yeah, exactly. I was just about to say, he's <laughs> he's due for a banger against Dortmund, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, man. Do you think... Uh, so
1: going into this, this game, do you think Holland and Reina start? Um,
2: I think... You know, I, I think I think Holland doesn't start because I, I saw on Stefan Bosco his the uh, co-host for or the host for the yellow wall. Uh, he was tweeting that like the day after the Bielefeld game, Holland already picked up a small knock. So I don't know if he, yeah I know I don't know if he's going to be fully ready to start. But I think Reyna will. And I hope Reyna performs well because he's been out for so goddamn long. And I'm extremely happy to have him back. But also he needs to pick up the pace and pick up his body language because, you know, if he's going to not produce that many goals and also not really have the mentality to chase balls down like he did a few uh, games ago before his second knock, then, you know, his play time's in trouble, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. So I just pulled up. And of course, by the time this episode's out, you're going to know way more than we do 24 hours before the game. Um, the, the lineup might be out and everything. But um, so I, I just looked back to see like the latest quotes from uh, Rosa for the press conference. Uh, Marco Royce is still sick at home, but he's feeling better. He won't be available tomorrow. Erling and Geo have coped well with their minutes from the game. Mats will be there. He tested negative. Rafa can't be there yet.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think so. it'll be pretty much an unchanged lineup aside from Hummel's, maybe Raina. But I think we'll be looking yep. into pretty much the same back four and the same uh, midfield and attack, which is a little worrying. We're, we're away at Mainz, but it's it's doable and we have the momentum on our side now. Do you think like starts or would Chan go to back? right? Yeah, I, I would be fine with like starting, honestly, and not just because of that. Uh, one game, I, th- I think he can perform or he can play to his strengths in a number of Bundesliga or against a number of Bundesliga opponents. And, you know, he's a player that's got something to prove every time he gets on the field. So uh yeah, I, w- I would start him.
1: Cool. Any predictions? I'm going to go. What you, what you feeling? Two one us. Dude. Okay. I have to say after that last game, I know it was like a kind of a gritty grind out one Oh, mm-hmm. but I kind of, it, Felt good to grind out a win yeah. and just like just get by like something about it felt good yeah we rarely better see than giving up season. a goal i mean it was a i mean a clean sheet obviously is great but just the like it, it was nice to see us grind grind something out because we saw what happened against Augs- augsburg yep. and some other games um so it was it was nice so uh yeah we're we're away i imagine we will give away a goal but i think holland comes back and Bangs at least one in and we'll get another I, beautiful Dortmund team goal.
2: That's what I somewhere. think so too. I think they'll probably net one early and then we'll grind out a goal to make it one, one. And then Holland comes on relatively early in the second half and then nets one with like 15 to go. Yep. Cool. All
1: right. Well, that's it for us. We will be back. Um, oh, I, what's the other game? What, who are we playing this Sunday? Cause we're oh, yeah, we we didn't play, really we playing Cone, but cause yeah, we'll have that game before or that game. We'll, we'll be back after that game. Um, so we do have Colin on the weekend. Um, and shout out to the we mentioned a lot this episode that we're from St. Louis, and I believe we're gonna go with the Borussia STL supporters group, we're gonna go watch the game yeah. live, which will be fun. Yeah. Not live, live, but like on TV yeah. at a bar. So if you're in St. Louis and want to join us, we'll be at Amsterdam Tavern, which is just the spot where you go watch every soccer game. So yep. Also, another quick random shout out to there's a new supporters group out of Columbus. Ohio somewhere. They just started. I'm going to link their Twitter. If in case you're in Ohio, you want to get involved with them. I'll link their Twitter in our description. I remember their at off the top of my head, but just show support for, that's what this is about. It's about
2: connecting people. Being a
1: Dorman fan in America. Yep. So cool. All right. Well, thanks so much for hanging out Carver. Thank you as always.
2: Yeah. Thank you for having me. And uh, let's, let's get some wins this week. Got two big dubs to get.
1: Yep. All right. That's it. Bye.